Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. The Cut. The Cut. The Cut. The Cut. The Cut. cut. In April 2014, sitting at a blue felt table at the Grand Casino Remo in Italy, Victoria Corin was one of two final players of the European Poker Tour. Vicky once again really taking her time in one of these huge moments just to make sure she has the situation assessed correctly. This was the second time Vicky found herself at the final table of a major poker tournament. Oh boy, two pair for Vicky. Vicky had two pair with a pair of queens and a pair of jacks. Stop it while Giacomo Fundaro, the only player between her and a multi-million dollar pot, had a pair of aces. This is not a time where you want to make a rookie mistake, realize the guy's got more chips or it's not your turn to act. She's just kind of overthinking everything right now. Vicky had the winning hand, but she didn't know that. And Giacomo was betting like he did. I think he's going to be shoving. They bet and raised each other through each card flop until Giacomo went all in and then... He shoves and Vicky calls! Vicky called Giacomo's bet. What a sweat. And so they revealed their cards to each other. With one card left to flop, that flop would determine the winner. Just an unreal tense moment right now. Giacomo Fundero needs an ace, king, 10 or seven. The last card flopped. It's a brick! Oh! It's a brick! Vicky had won the 2014 European Poker Tournament. Vicky Corrin has done it! In post-tournament interviews, Victoria confessed that she didn't think she would win, that she was a natural pessimist. She had set her sights on eighth place, then sixth place, then fifth place, then third. But somehow her pessimism didn't affect her game. Even to the last moment, the last hand of the tournament, when Giacomo's aggressive all-in bet might have scared others off. I recognized the look of shock on Victoria's face. It was utter disbelief. The look of someone who didn't have faith that she would come out on top, and yet by some alchemy of skill, sweat, and fate, there she was. I've made that face a few times in my life, too. Like each time I've won an award, or landed a job, or even when people I consider way out of my league match with me on Tinder. Trying to win anything is a mindfuck, if you think about it. You put yourself out there and hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. I want to believe that I'm qualified and capable and totally deserving— I must be a shoo-in. But I also need to protect my heart from disappointment if reality strikes and I lose. But could it be that getting caught up in what I want to happen and what I'm afraid might happen is actually messing me up? Is it possible that getting in my head like that might actually prevent me from getting what I want? Turns out, yeah, we do get in our own way. And poker can help. To build this skill set that I think women are actually rarely exposed to, you know, raising the stakes, negotiating, strategizing, understanding risk, capital allocation. I feel very strongly that poker 
is very much a vehicle for the skills to predict success in work and in life, right? Melanie Weissner is a professional poker player who I met when I heard about this program at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management and an organization called Poker Power. That's P-O-W-H-E-R. Pow! Her! The idea is to teach women poker strategies as real-life tools. Now, I'll be honest here, because at first the idea of teaching female business school students poker in order to win at life just sounded too finance bro for comfort. And you know, part of it is definitely getting that kind of girl boss, you can do it queen energy. But it turns out that Melanie's poker forward approach to life is so much deeper and more emotional than I could ever imagined. Poker puts you in situations where you have to struggle with yourself because these situations come up over and over and over and over again. And, you know, you're playing a card game, but you can very easily tell, oh, I've been in situations like this before. This is modeling something I've done in real life. Poker is a card game, but it's also a mental sport, a show of psychological gymnastics, probabilities, and risk. It's betting on how you read people, how you can control yourself so you can't be read. It's math and it's performance and it's chance. It's up to the player to make the best out of it. And from the very beginning, Melanie was hooked. Did you immediately start gambling with money or did you start with like monopoly money and trying to get more comfortable with it? It's funny. I actually got into poker when I was uh, younger, when I was uh, maybe 17 or 18. Uh, My younger brother had been playing online when he was 16 and he had won an absurd amount of money. And it was this very classic brother-sister thing where I thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And that's how I got started and uh, sort of played in these little dorm games in college and got my feet wet. And uh, I just totally fell in love. Okay. So what was your first big win? Like the first win when you were still an amateur, but you're like, whoa, like I could do something with this. My friends and I ran a game in our dorm. I think it was it was one of these small stakes games. I'm telling you about like ten cent, twenty five cent poker, and I had I had a great night once, and I won like three hundred dollars. And I remember the next day I bought that Motorola Razor phone, and I was just like, "This is what I want. I want to play poker, and I want to win, and I want to I want this to be how I make money." But to make that money, first she had to learn how to play the game emotionally, mentally. And literally. In poker, the person with the most information wins. So the better you are at taking all of this mess and noise and picking out the right pieces from it, which is life, right? So we're told that poker is a game of chance, but really it's not. It's a skill game that has an element of chance. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that a little bit? What does that mean? The whole idea of poker is that you don't know what I have, and I don't know what you have. So we're operating under this information asymmetry, this lack of information. But whoever can get the most information, whether I'm using your betting patterns, whether I'm reading your face, whether I'm understanding how you're feeling about a specific moment, maybe I remember something you did in the past that makes it more likely you're going to do something else in the future. So it's a game about who has the best information when Nobody has perfect information. But poker is a game. It's a competitive game where you're fixated across somebody. Like you're in opposition to somebody else. It's a win-lose game. Mm -hmm. And to apply that to life, is that how you see the world? 
The answer, the answer is yes and no, because in poker situations, you can't both win. One of you is going gonna, is gonna to win and one of you is going to lose. However, the person that loses is often going to come away with greater experience to mold themselves into a better player than the person who's winning. And that's why I would always kind of seek these better players to play when I was coming up, because that's what I wanted. I was willing to pay that price to have that lesson. If you're already beating somebody, then you're not necessarily learning something new from that or improving your game. You're executing a strategy and you're, you kind of ex expect to beat that player, but you give that opportunity now to the other player to make themselves better. So losing is a chance to learn, not in that toxic positivity, get back on the horse sort of way, but really, truly every time you lose, you learn what not to do next time. Lose enough and eventually you'll see exactly how to win. So in the same vein, um, in while in the game of poker and also just in life, you gotta know when to fold them. <laughs> folding to me feels like a failure like when I play I'm just like oh I hate this I hate this like do you do you get that feeling still or have you learned to accept folding as part of life in poker and in your life it's never going to be as fun to fold but once you realize that that's a competitive element as well that l recognizing when you have to walk away from a decision, you know, that a, a relationship decision, a, a business decision, any anything like that. Recognizing those spots and becoming comfortable with them, and that's one of the greatest lessons poker has taught me, and not falling into this sunk cost fallacy, oh, I've invested so much, I must see it through. So you start to become aware of these cognitive traps. You're trying to make the best decision every time you play, every time you make a decision, period, in life. And you have to recognize that sometimes the best decision is to walk away. Sometimes the best decision is to save your chips, your ammunition for a better opportunity. And if you don't, when that opportunity comes along, you're not going to be able to make the most of it. So I kind of I kind of view it as that way. It never feels good to concede a hand, but you are preserving the opportunity to win by mm. doing so. Yeah, it's like preserving your bandwidth in, in regular life. A hundred, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. You you can't win every pot. Every day can't be a good day. Like it's managing those elements, understanding what's going on, distancing yourself from that emotional knee jerk response, and asking yourself, what's the best decision here? What, am am I winning or am I losing? Forget the fact that I want to win. Clearly, you want to want to win. Do I have a good opportunity here or not. The more you play, the more you become comfortable with those situations. After the break, how the cold analytical game of poker can help you get real cozy with your emotions. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 
Last week, Kanye West accused one of the biggest Twitch streamers of being an industry plant. It's an idea that comes up so often on platforms like TikTok and elsewhere. You see people who have blown up seemingly overnight. And the question is, who's behind them, right? That's what everyone wants to know. Tipping the scales and pulling the lever to make them seemingly the next it thing on the internet. This week on Power User, is it even possible to create an industry plant on the internet? And if so, how? Early spring in New York City can be absolute misery. You're ready for picnic blankets, blunts, and rosé out of a can. But a lot of the time, it's just puddles of sewage water. So I thought I'd outsmart the weather and fly out to California, my home state, to ride out the last of this damp, cold New York spring with some West Coast sunshine. Seems like a safe bet, right? Wrong. The day I landed, it was 80 fucking degrees in New York, and in California, it was drizzly and chilly for three straight weeks, which just doesn't happen. I felt stupid for betting on this weather when clearly it wasn't a sure thing. But according to Melanie, I should make that same bet again. So much of the game is understanding your own emotion and mastering it and understanding other people's emotion and mastering that. Before I was a poker player, I don't think I was processing my emotions as well as I could have been. And I wasn't really understanding probability because humans are really bad at understanding what that, what that means. You know, and and the the example I like to use is if you get a you know, something really unlucky happens, like you get a flat tire or something, people get very upset about it. But any of these people who are going to get really upset about it, um, if you were to say, hey, well, you know, this kind of thing will happen a handful of times over your life, here's one of them now, you're experiencing that volatility, that variance, they would 100% agree. But when it comes down to experiencing it, they don't react as if these unlikely events are supposed to happen. So I think it's helped me a lot with processing when the unlikely occurs and how to feel about it and what to do about it. And the biggest one, I think, is judging your decisions by the quality of the decision rather than the outcome. What Melanie's basically saying is that nine times out of ten, it's a good bet that it'll be sunny in California when it's rainy in New York. But even though it didn't work out for me this time, getting in my feelings about it does literally nothing. And in fact, it just makes it worse. Because in, in poker, you'll you know, fold, maybe you'll make a discipline fold. You'll fold a hand you shouldn't have played. And it's like, oh, I would have had a full house. I would have had whatever. And you learn that those players that think like that and and don't stop thinking like that are the ones that become the losers over the course of time. And the people that recognize, hey, yes, I would have gotten lucky in this one situation, but this is a bad decision long run, then make winning decisions going forward. It's also helped me a lot with preparing myself for situations outside of the context. Because when you're in a heated context, a high pressure context, you're not really the same person. You're the version of yourself that didn't know better. Um, you're reacting to somebody. You're upset because someone said something. You're calling this guy's bluff because uh, you didn't like the way he looked at you or something he said to you, not because it's the right decision. But if you create a strategy coming into that situation, knowing, oh, I'm going to deal with it these ways, then you don't have to rely on that heated animal brain taking care of yourself. You're protected 
by the version of yourself that does know better. And in the same vein, you've you've also said that like it you think in this calibrated statistic driven way and you kind of remove that element of the cognitive biases of the emotional attachments to things. So I mean, this is going to sound a little aggro and I don't mean it to sound aggro, but I don't know how else to say it. That sounds a little sociopathic cuz don't we need emotions in some way to like drive us 100% and that's the thing. It's not denying the emotion. That's not what it is at all. It's not saying you have this emotion and ignore it, play like a robot. It's understanding the emotion at a really deep level and where that comes from. And and a lot of the mental game work um, I do with my students and that we and that we teach our classes is to figure out really like spend some time and think where you might skew. Am I more likely to be someone that gets pushed around and and maybe respond badly because of that? Am I more likely to be over-aggressive? And really spend time thinking about what the root of these emotions are. And when you can resolve those issues, they're there, but they don't control you. They don't interfere with your decision-making. And you also want to be really attuned to other people's emotions at the table because that will tell you a, a, a ton. So it's not about suppressing emotions at all. It's about understanding them and not giving emotions an irrational chance at overriding whatever the best decision is. So in your life, do you feel like you're just way more – are you just, like, cool as a cucumber all the time? Like, are you level-headed? Like, nothing can rock you? Like, because it seems like you would just be amazingly at, good at processing your own feelings and being like, well, shit, somebody broke into my car, but that's the tax of living in wherever. Or, you know, like, <laughs> does nothing rock you? No, I definitely wouldn't say that. I I actually just think I'm a lot more thoughtful about my emotions. You can either play today with the students or you can just put in the code and watch them play in the app. It's up to you. Great. I think we're going to play, right, Parker? Not well, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Excellent. Excellent. Last week on a gray Wednesday evening, Parker and I actually did the workshop. Okay, perfect. So um, welcome back. Today is one of my favorite lessons. It is on bluffing and how to be fearless. So um, we're going to learn some really fun strategies today. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to watch a hand where Maria Ho, a very famous poker player, is going to bluff her opponent, Phil Helmuth. And she is in this hand going to correctly realize that her hand is not the best hand. And she's going to represent a stronger hand to try to get her opponent to fold. So I want you guys to kind of look look at this hand um, and think about uh, the strategies that she's using when she is. So number one, I want to know how you felt about the lecture last night. Real talk is like watching paint dry, watching people <laughs> play poker. It's like, really? It's just, it's so quiet. It's just like you're there. And if you're supposedly like a great poker player, you just like your steely face the whole time and you're not reacting. And that was the one thing about like bluffing. Life's too short to try to be deceptive or try to like haggle. Like this is like, I don't know. All right. All the way down to Parker. So now Parker, you can call, raise or fold. I don't want to like straight up lie. I'm You're, folding. I can't do folding. it. All right. I don't know how to fold. <laughs> you know, she's playing the long bluff where she's like pretending that she's just terrible for like five <laughs> minutes and she's going to take all her money. All right, Alice. Okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not good at games. 
So like playing poker, I was like, oh, this involves a lot of anticipation and like making assumptions and like, like trying to analyze things. And I was like, oh, this is too much responsibility. This is also me as a person. Internally. <laughs> it's like, no, this is too much responsibility. Like, I just like, can't, is there like a trivial pursuit? Like that seems more my speed. Poker just seems like. Because you don't like uncertainty and risk. There's no risk there. It's whether or not you know the information or not. Hey, living day to day is already a risk. Why am I adding things to it? That's the point, Parker. That's the whole point of this program is like living life is already a risk. So learn how to do it better. And bluffing is also important for your table image, right? Like a good player really needs to keep her opponent guessing at every betting round. And people won't be guessing at all if if they know that you um, have a good hand every time that you bet. And so the goal of bluffing is to make your... But okay, here's also a thing about just me and just like perception. I'm a like a dark-skinned, chubby black woman. When I go into spaces, I'm either ignored or there's someone already projecting stuff onto me. So I'm I'd feel like bluffing is unnecessary because people are already projecting stuff onto me. So even when I'm like I'm cheerful or I'm like giggly, that is a pleasant surprise to them. Mm-hmm. So trying to bluff is just putting a hat on a hat. <laughs> That's a beautiful way of saying it. I mean, poker seems like fun for a very specific group of people. Yeah. I'm not like a type A person. Mm. I, I mean, I'm a kid with social anxiety. So like. Yeah, it seems like anyone with social anxiety would not do well in poker. No, I like oh, we're good at like we're like a person with social anxiety is good at scanning a room like Terminator and just seeing like who seems like a threat and who doesn't like who will be nice and who will be mean. But isn't that kind of like reading people's tells? Like she did talk about that a little bit like. Right, but I can do that. But like I don't want to have to have like a card game in the mix with all of that. I mean, it's a lot. It's a real heavy-handed metaphor yeah. for for life. I mean, yes, it is a very heavy-handed metaphor. It's a very <laughs> heavy-handed word for it. You like to learn your lessons directly and not through metaphors. Yes. Like, I just, like, just break it down for me. Mm-hmm. Are you going to make me cry or are you not? Poker seems fine if it's what you want to do. Like, I'm not going to yuck someone's yum. But honestly, I could like I could take it or leave it because it's like I grew up I grew like, I grew up playing spades and it's like a spades is a team sport like you have a partner and you like you communicate and your job is to just make sure that you don't screw them over <laughs> and you get your pairs and you try to like you make your bid and you try to like get your your bid right and get your pairs together. And so like, I'm also terrible at, I'm not terrible at spades. I am a competent player of spades, but, uh, but there is like a partnership to it where there's like a, a mental back and forth between each people. Poker is the solitary thing where you have to kind of like psychologically, like try to like psych people out by yourself. And you're trying to figure out how they're like uh, too many, there's too many variables that are out of everyone's control. But wouldn't it be better if you had a partner who can scan the room 
and tell you who is going to be a jerk. <laughs> and then you can, like, if I could whisper, if we play, if there was a, a version of poker where I could just whisper in your ear and just be like, the guy in the flashy hat and hoodie that is called Hellmouth doesn't have a fucking thing. And he's mean. We're going to ignore him. And you play your cards and you win. Isn't that nice? So you want to cheat. <laughs> that's not cheating. <laughs> that's that's looking out for each other. That's called a partnership, Jasmine. Okay, so then so then what is a better partnership game? Like one where we can go into it and learn the lessons that we need to learn from it as partners. Like a card game? Yeah. Is it spades? Is it is that it the is spades. should we redo this episode with spades? If you want to <laughs> listen, if you want to go to to North Avenue and hang out with my cousins Chunky and Eric, and let them yell at you for an evening while they drink like clamato juice with Hennessy, like that sounds amazing. It's a game that brings people together. I feel like poker just tears people apart. Poker is the monopoly of card games. It is. <laughs> So if you win at Monopoly, you win, like, yeah, you win at life and you're the richest dude, but everybody hates you. And if you win at poker, yeah, like you're the greatest poker player, but everybody hates you because you have the pot and you manipulated everybody into getting the pot. Yeah. But at least in spades, when everybody hates you, you have a you have your partner. That's what I'm here for, to be like, you know, we've got each other. Like, we'll be yeah. okay. The Cut is produced by me, Jasmine Aguilera, along with B.A. Parker, Skylar Swenson, and Noor Buzidi. Edited by Kelly Prime. Our executive editors are Hannah Rosen, Stella Bugby, and Nishak Kerwa. Mixed by Alex Higgins. Special thanks to Brianne Wilhelmy, Melanie Weissner, Dr. Victoria Medbeck, Sarah Steffen, Kaina England, Tammy Endeman, Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management, and Poker Power. 